Hello, good morning. My name is Nelson Brown. Welcome to the AUA 2021 Plenary Panel Discussion on COVID and Sexual Medicine. We have a wonderful panel for you here this morning. Dr. Moki Carroll will discuss the association of COVID and hypogodonism. Dr. Alan Chindel will present how COVID has affected erectile function and dysfunction. Dr. Faisal Yafi will explain how COVID has changed telemedicine. And finally, Dr. Ranger Thermosami will explore COVID's effect on male infertility. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning. I'd like to thank the AUA and the program committee for giving me the opportunity to discuss testosterone and COVID. Here are my disclosures. I do consult for three companies that do make testosterone products. Back in early 2020, it was first noted that men were more severely affected with COVID than women. In fact, men were three times more likely to die of COVID once infected. This spawned the question, could testosterone play a role in mortality and death from COVID? Earlier this year, we published a review article on testosterone's role in COVID-19. There are three important findings I'd like to share with you today. The first is that testosterone plays a clear role in modulating the immune response and inflammation. Testosterone levels were inversely correlated with the severity of COVID symptoms. And finally, this paradoxical effect where low serum testosterone levels may be protective against the initial susceptibility of COVID, although there's conflicting data. However, low serum testosterone levels also have been associated with worse clinical outcomes, including mortality in those already infected with COVID. Let's look at these. The first is that testosterone has been shown to suppress antibody response to infection. It's been shown to suppress inflammatory immune cells and to also dampen the development and function of T and B cells. Could this increase the susceptibility of COVID? Testosterone has also been shown to decrease pro-inflammatory markers and enhance anti-inflammatory markers. Could this actually decrease cytokine storm decrease severe symptoms and mortality in those men already infected with COVID. It's important to understand how testosterone may provoke, promote the entry of COVID into host cells. We know that circulating androgens bind to the androgen receptor, which then promote transcription of transmembrane protease serine 2. Why is this important? Because we know that the COVID spike protein is primed by this protease, and this allows interaction with the ACE2 receptor and entry into the host cell. Androgen deprivation therapy has been shown to lower this protease expression. One of the first studies in 2020 was looking at androgen deprivation therapy in prostate cancer patients from a large Italian database. What did they find? Those men with prostate cancer on androgen deprivation therapy were four times less likely to be infected with COVID than those men not on androgen deprivation therapy. However, there's conflicting data. A more recent study looking at almost 1,800 men with prostate cancer on androgen deprivation therapy found no protective role of androgen deprivation therapy from COVID infection. You should know that there are two clinical trials using androgen deprivation therapy in critically ill hospitalized patients with COVID-19. One is the Degarelix trial, the other is the enzalutamide. And there's also a trial using dutasteride in patients with COVID-19 infection who are not hospitalized. Once patients are infected with COVID, the literature suggests that low testosterone levels increase severity of COVID symptoms and mortality. 
One study looked at lower baseline total testosterone levels, which predicted poor prognosis and mortality in COVID-infected men in the ICU. Another study demonstrated that total testosterone levels were significantly lower in ARDS patients compared to patients without ARDS. And finally, a third study demonstrating that men with testosterone levels that less than 100 nanogram per deciliter had an eight-fold increase in mortality compared to men whose testosterone levels were greater than 230 nanogram per deciliter. We also know that COVID can affect the testis and serum testosterone levels. One study looking at 220 hospitalized men with COVID found that serum testosterone levels significantly declined after infection. Another study of 142 patients with COVID found that 22.5% of those patients had either acute orchitis, epididymitis, or epididymal orchitis on scrotal ultrasound. And this instance reached above 53% in men over the age of 80. And finally, a third study looking at electron microscopy, demonstrating that the COVID virus is present in testicular tissue. We have to be careful not to confuse causality with association. We know that severely ill COVID-19 patients and hypogonadal patients share the same comorbid risk factors. In other words, maybe it's not the low testosterone causing the more severely ill COVID symptoms but maybe it's the fact that these two conditions share the same comorbidities. So in conclusion, testosterone has been shown to decrease the immune response, but also decrease inflammation. Normal levels of testosterone may increase bile entry while paradoxically providing a relatively protection against the hyperreactive immune state that drives COVID mortality. Low serum testosterone levels have been associated with worse clinical outcomes and increased mortality in those infected with COVID. COVID can directly affect testicular tissue and decrease serum testosterone levels. And finally, it's still not fully understood whether testosterone therapy impairs or improves COVID symptoms. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Dr. Bennett, for that kind introduction. So it's important to consider the various mechanisms by which COVID-19 can be associated with erectile dysfunction. Obviously, first and foremost in many people's minds is the potential for psychological impact of the pandemic and the social circumstances we find ourselves in. This is a consideration, and obviously you need to talk to patients about this when it's encountered, but it is something that is very variable from one person to the next, the overall impact of the pandemic on erectile dysfunction. Dr. Kara has already ably covered the testosterone effects of COVID-19 infection, so I won't dwell on those, but those are certainly also potentially relevant uh, to erectile dysfunction and COVID-19 disease. What I do want to spend time speaking about are the endothelial effects. COVID-19 is an endothelial disease, and because of that, and because of the strong relationship that we know exists between the endothelium and erectile dysfunction, it is worthy to consider how this might have long-term repercussions on men in terms of their sexual function. So as you're aware, SARS-CoV-2 targets the ACE2 receptor, a receptor that is expressed ubiquitously and particularly on perivascular pericytes. These are cells that have a lot to do with regulating the microvascular environment. There is evidence that endothelial dysfunction related to COVID-19 infection can be persistent. In this study of 133 patients who had recovered from COVID-19 compared to control, uh, 130 age-matched controls, we identified that based on flow-mediated dilation, COVID-19 survivors had markedly worse vascular status. And this was something that applied in some, to some respect, regardless of uh, initial comorbid conditions. 
But was perhaps most interesting, however, was that the difference in flow mediated dilation was most pronounced in those patients who had the fewest uh, baseline vascular risk factors, implying that COVID-19 can take a relatively healthy patient and give them a rather substantial uh, problem with endothelium in this preliminary study. So the endothelial effects of SARS-CoV-2 are mediated by many different pathways, some of which are highlighted on this figure. For the purpose of this brief talk, I'd like to focus on cytotoxicity and RAS dysregulation as two particularly interesting ones. So direct cytotoxicity is something where the cells themselves are impacted by the infection. Dr. Ramasamy's group here actually produced some very interesting data along these lines, looking at penile biopsies in men who had had a history of COVID disease compared to those who had not. What was identified was the presence of SARS-CoV-2-like proteins uh, in the penile endothelium. Also noted was a markedly diminished expression of ENOS, uh, both by histochemistry and also confirmed by RNA expression. So initial evidence here of a prolonged and durable decrease in endothelial nitric oxide synthase activity in these patients. A similar study in some sense, looking at peripheral blood specimens this time, uh, investigating the presence of endothelial colony forming units. And you see three comparison groups here, COVID negative patients, COVID patients, and then on the very end, COVID negative patients who had, did however have a history of venous thromboembolism disease. And you can see from the uh, images, markedly reduced colony forming units in the post COVID patients, even compared to those patients who had venous thromboembolic disease implying once again, a serious defect of the endothelial progenitor cell population. RAS dysregulation is also a very important topic to consider in COVID disease. Um, ACE2 is the primary target and dysregulation and disruption of ACE2 expression can have very profound effects on the microvascular environment due to the numerous actions of ACE2 in terms of regulating. So with decreased ACE2, uh, you typically have increased angiotensin II, which has a number of vasoconstrictive type effects you see listed right here. You also have decreased production of angiotensin 1-7, which is a very important vasodilator that increases nitric oxide synthase activity. And you can see from this a combination of factors that lead to a much more vasoconstrictive uh, vascular milieu, which obviously would be uh, set up for erectile dysfunction. So we can conclude from these uh, basic preliminary data that COVID-19 could very well be a vascular disease that has impacts on erectile function long-term. Currently data are somewhat sparse. We've been focused on the morbid and lethal nature of this disease rather than the effects it might have on long-term erectile function. But I do think it's a topic that merits further research and consideration by the research community. With that, I thank you very much for your attention. Hello, and uh, thank you to the AUA and to the SMSNA for the kind invitation to participate in today's plenary. Uh, my topic is COVID and telemedicine. Here are my disclosures. The COVID-19 pandemic has taken its toll uh, on the world over the past few years, with total cases um, exceeding 210 million and more than 4 million uh, deaths globally. Accordingly, quarantines and stay-at-home orders have been put in, uh, in, in place this has made it very difficult for both patients and physicians to participate in the traditional clinical encounters that we've been used to. So the, the patient visits where a patient and a doctor uh, are in close proximity and the bustling uh, waiting rooms are being slowly replaced by um, telehealth encounters through various interfaces such as computers, tablets, and, 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 and smartphones. 
Medicare, uh, private insurers, and Medicaid relaxed rules on telemedicine in March of 2020 uh, in the midst of the pandemic. And the use of telemedicine has increased since then by at least three times. It is currently used by more than 70% of urologists as early as 2020, which while it was used by only 14% prior to the pandemic. It is preferred by 85% of patients during the pandemic and 81% of urologists report being interested in continuing its usage in the future. Sexual medicine, due to its nature, is obviously a prime candidate for telemedicine. The benefits of telemedicine include improved access, particularly to underserved areas and in areas where travel may be difficult, improved patient and physician safety, particularly um, as it avoids close proximity in the setting of COVID and uh, infectious uh, causes. It reduces cost. It has a lower error rate. Uh, it has high patient satisfaction and comfort with less stigma, particularly as it pertains to sexual medicine. It has the potential to expand physician practice, particularly since it's, it is reimbursed and you can have access to a larger uh, amount of patients. And it immediately it has immediately available technology. Some of the limitations of telemedicine include the absence of a physical exam, the absence of physician-patient bonding that it can be encountered during real-time visits, lack of empathy, uh, gaps in access, particularly technology, and particularly in underserved areas uh, or in low-income families. Some privacy concerns have been raised. There are risks of misuse. And finally, when we look at physician workforce issues, 18% of urologists over the age of 65, so we might have some issues with uh, having enough access for patients. Another aspect of telemedicine is the direct-to-consumer market, uh, particularly companies such as Hims and Roman. Uh, the popular popularity of direct-to-consumer websites such as Hims and Roman has increased uh, prior to the pandemic with web traffic increasing by almost 1,700 uh, between 2007 and 2019, thus suggesting a pre-existing demand uh, for these services even prior to the pandemic. Uh, the pros and cons of direct-to-consumer um, uh, aspects of sexual medicine, it provides easier patient access, less embarrassment, and less wait times. On the flip side, uh, physical exams, cardiovascular assessments may be lacking. Uh, there are some data safety concerns as it pertains to the use of various uh, platforms. And finally, the costs can be sometimes prohibitive. We did a cost comparison of direct-to-consumer versus conventional use of PDE5 inhibitors. Um, and when you see here the physician plus uh, visit plus local pharmacy, and you look at uh, four uh, commonly prescribed uh, medications, sildenafil 20 milligrams and 100 milligram, and tadalafil 5 milligram and 20 milligram, and you compare it to our online direct-to-consumer uh, prescriptions to uh, portals such as Hims and Roman, you notice that the price difference in favor of the physician visit plus local pharmacy can be as low as $55 cheaper to $2,719 cheaper with the use of a physician visit plus local pharmacy. Uh, telemedicine is here to stay. The direct-to-consumer market is expected to continue to expand. There are some reimbursement uncertainties. There are some HIPAA uncertainties that need to be ironed out. And finally, licensure requirements may be problematic in the future. Finally, I'd like to acknowledge Aaron Spitz, the co-chair of the AUA Telemedicine Task Force, uh, for his contribution in helping me put these slides together. Thank you.
Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to wherever you are from. I am Ranjit Ramasamy, Director of Reproductive Urology and Associate Professor at the University of Miami. Very happy for the AUA and the other panelists to participate in this discussion on the impact of COVID on men's health. Specifically now, we'll discuss the impact of COVID-19 on male fertility. Jesse Ori was a fellow last year, he's back in Canada, discussed the complex relationship between COVID-19 and the androgen receptors. It's important to understand that both the prostate and the testis, both organs rich in androgen receptors, can potentially have the COVID-19 virus present inside their tissues. The reason being, in order for COVID-19 virus to enter inside the cells, it requires both the ACE2 receptors as well as the TEMPERS2 receptors. And it just so happens that both the prostate as well as the testis have both the ACE2 and the TEMPERS2 receptors potentiating COVID-19 virus entry into these cells. One of the first studies was done by Justin Achua when he was a medical student at the University of Miami demonstrating that the COVID-19 virus can be present inside the testis. We performed autopsy studies of about six men who died with COVID-19 sepsis and compared them to four others that did not have COVID-19. We found that the men who were COVID positive demonstrated increased inflammation and leukocyte infiltration into the testis tissue. Importantly, with electron microscopy, we demonstrated the presence of COVID-19 virus inside the tissue. Interestingly, we found that the density of ACE2 receptors within the testis was inversely proportional to the amount of spermatogenesis, meaning men who have increased ACE2 receptor density within the testis will have a greater impact from the COVID-19 virus on spermatogenesis compared to those who have a lesser density of ACE2 receptors. I know our other panelists have discussed the impact of COVID-19 on erectile dysfunction, but we'd like to mention that Eli Kresh, who's a medical student here, demonstrated that the COVID-19 virus can be present inside the penis long after the initial infection. We hypothesized that COVID-19 can cause erectile dysfunction due to underlying endothelial dysfunction. This made such national news that both Stephen Colbert as well as Saturday Night Live, covered that the impact of COVID-19 can lead to erectile dysfunction. Jordan Best was a medical student and is now a urology resident here at the University of Miami, did a prospective observational study on the impact of COVID-19 on sperm parameters. We found that the initial period, three to six months after infection, there was significant decline in the sperm parameters in the majority of the men who were infected with COVID-19. However, reassuringly, we found that COVID-19 was able to recover sperm parameters six months after, suggesting that men and couples who are attempting conception in the immediate time, COVID-19 can have an impact on both sperm parameters and potentially ART outcomes, if that is in the near future. 
it was very important that we studied the impact of COVID-19 vaccine on sperm parameters and male fertility because COVID-19 virus could affect fertility. There were several concerns among the public whether the vaccine could have the same impact. A large team of us from the University of Miami did this very important study that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association in 45 men who got both the shots of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. Reassuringly, we found that there was absolutely no impact of the COVID-19 vaccine on male fertility and sperm parameters. So to conclude, I think COVID-19 virus can be present both in the testis as well as in the penile tissues, definitely not present in the semen, and therefore risk of sexual transmission is unlikely in men who have recovered from COVID-19 infection. COVID-19 affects sperm parameters in the immediate three to six months, but at least in our small pilot study, we demonstrated that most men recovered after the six months time point. COVID-19 vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, do not appear to impact male fertility. How COVID-19 is able to evade the immune system, be present in the testis and the penis, and how these organs act as reservoirs where these viruses can hide long after their initial infection, all of these mechanisms remain to be elucidated in future studies. Thank you.